Granite State Game Day with Sean Sendall. I am the smartest man alive! And the coach. What's going on? I said, it's a cat in the house. Cat in the house? I said, yeah, there's a cat in the house. Mike Bellevue. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? Talking everything from New Hampshire high school athletics, through the collegiate ranks, and up to the professionals. Nothing is off the table with these two. And a good Saturday morning to you here from ESPN New Hampshire. It's Granite State Game Day with Sean Sendall and the coach, Mike Bellevue. And I'm joining you after a solid week of being here with you from 3 to 6 drive time as I got to fill in uh, for Jimmy Murphy while he was off doing other job and family commitments and those types of things. So I was fortunate enough to be able to fill in. And that was a good time. As always, uh, I... I went basketball route. Uh, Murph's show is very hockey-based, as you know. It is not my forte. Uh, we did ta- talk hockey, but uh, I went very basketball-heavy, and not to mention a college basketball preview, as that tipped off last night. However, this whole week has really not been about sports. And while I will not get into results and opinions... What I will say is there are two stories that bothered me to no end and are still bothering me right now. Both came from Tuesday, and it's been, again, almost a full week, and they're still bothering me. Coach, you are and have been a teacher, a coach of young men and women to help help mold their mind, just help them become adults. When I asked you prior to the primaries what your school does for these young men and women to get them out to go and vote, encourage them to, you said that they, they, they'll bust them over, they'll, they'll give them the time to go, to go vote, correct? Yeah, that's true. On, it was either... Fact, they, had a, they had a day off on Tuesday so that... Uh... Anybody 18 years old, you know, could go in right. at any time. And, and and we had a, just to promote it, we had a mock election at the school the day before. I always liked those when I was in school. Yeah, it's Always, because yeah. before I could actually vote, I always liked those. And you get a feel for yeah. w- the landscape. Because let's face it, most of those students in the school cannot vote. And they have no idea what they're voting for. So they vote whichever way their parents are going to vote. So generally, you can get a feel for what the state is going to, or at least that area, the town is going to vote for, based on those those elections. That's that's really what I felt since since I was a kid. We did them. I remember doing them in 1992 when it was Clinton, H. W. Bush, and Ross Perot. I was in second grade. I remember doing it, <laughs> and I don't remember the results, but I remember doing it, and I remember doing it for every election thereafter through every every year in school. I think it's cool. I think it's a good idea. But as a coach, and as someone who takes these young players, now this is moving more into specifically the coach, you've never, you haven't been on the other side of recruiting college students. You have seen them recruited. You have, you played college athletics, but you've never been the recruiter. However, you've seen your players go through it. And when they're going through it, generally, they're being sold on not just the football life or any sport life, basketball, baseball, whatever it may be. They're being sold on the coach and the coach being their surrogate parent. Is that overall that, correct? That is very correct. I mean, and so many times kids come back from a visit and they talk first about the coaches they met and the coaches' personalities. And they talk second about facilities and, you know, whether it's, you know, the campus fit for them or not on majors, but I'm telling you that impression by the coaches. And it's important upon the student, but also their parents. They're, they are selling themselves as those surrogates to the parents as well. They come to me to become adults and I will mentor them. So what bothered me this week was when at a press conference, Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama football was asked about, It being election day, and he said, I didn't even know it was election day. I don't care if you're lying. 
I don't care if it was the truth. Because both reasons, or, or if whether you're lying or telling the truth, there is large fault in both. You have a large faction of young men who could probably vote for the very first time. And if you, as their leader, as their surrogate parent, have no idea it's election day, quote-unquote, then how are you properly engaging these young men to do what is their civic duty, civic, civic right, and civic freedom to exercise? If you go out there and openly say you had no idea, again, whether it's a lie or whether it's the truth, there are more important things. I understand your livelihood relies on it. You're getting paid very well to, to think football. But you're getting very well. You're getting paid very well to also be these players' surrogate parent, father figure in this scenario. You have said multiple times that you sell them on being there for the experience to become to go on to the next step, whether that's professional football or just life. And to say that, whether he's behind closed doors, was saying, "Oh, go vote, go vote," or not. To say that in public is directly pointing at a huge fault, meaning whether your players saw it or not, future players of yours saw it, uh, even if further down the line, young children saw it, Nick Saban, someone these players want to play for one day or are currently playing for, had no idea, that means he didn't vote, it doesn't matter. In the state of Alabama, for many young black men, it matters. And for the entire country, it matters. And for each individual, it matters. That bothered me to no end, Coach. Yeah, and I hear you. And, and what Saban, what do you see? I, what I see in Nick Saban is arrogance. Um, I think he, um, I think he obviously, he, unless he was living in a dark hole somewhere, he knew it was election day. Um, he was, even his, if you, you your arrogance. iPhone tells you, your phone tells you it's right. built into right. the calendar. What it is is he's trying to he's trying to say to the media, ask me only about football. Um, I don't even know there's election day. Ask me only about football. I'm only going to talk about football. Um, and it was just a really stupid way of trying to get the media to just focus on whoever he was playing this week. Um, and I think it sends a terrible message. Um, to the players, and I think it sends a terrible message to their parents that he can't be, um, when put on the spot like that, he can't, you know, be more articulate. He can't be more of a balanced human being. Nobody was asking him who he was going to vote for. Nobody was asking him his religious or political views. They just, you know, um, I just, that's how Sabin comes across to me. I'm not a huge fan I think that he, um, you know, he went to the Miami Dolphins and he and he lied to them basically and said he was going to stay and he was already had deals in the works. I think he's a little sleazy. I do think that Alabama is the best football team in the country. He's running a factory there, but if that means it's at the expense running a football factory at the expense of developing a well-rounded, balanced, informed young man, then shame on him. They are in. I, I don't think this is too far-fetched to say that at Alabama, you're spending more time with your coaching staff and your head coach than you are with professors, Professors, yeah. with anyone from the academic perspective, just because that is very much a football factory. And it is the, again, whether behind scenes he was saying, telling them an opposite message, it was a poor message to send in front of everyone. And it's still bothering me. And it is. It's his hubris. He is. He stands up there, and like like Belichick will say, you know, just say the word Seattle while someone's asking a question. Uh, it's not now. Belichick and Brady brought that on themselves by um, yeah. kind of um, let's see, Belichick writing a personal letter to one of the candidates, and then Brady, um, I guess, giving permission to say it was okay to let the public know he was going to vote for him or endorsing him or something like that. And then as soon as questions came, you know, about that, they were on to Seattle. They were only going to talk about football. Um, Belichick 
a little bit, just a little bit addressed it, more than I, I thought he would. But once he got a hard-hitting question and the guy was still asking the question, he must have said the word Seattle like six times. It was actually the first time I was fr- very frustrated with listening to. Normally I can't, can't listen to his press conferences because he doesn't give you anything, but right. he, was, he was frustrating to hear because it was like you, he was treating the whoever was asking the question like they were not a human being. Exactly. Just undignified. And and that, by the way, um, all politics aside and all questions about politics aside, getting back to just him and the way he treats the media, um, it annoys me from two major angles. One, the owner, Robert Kraft, allowing Belichick to treat the media and treat the NFL like dirt and give them nothing ever and be snide and sarcastic and I don't even know if sarcastic. No, he he doesn't have the sarcasm of a Bill Parcells. He just has the the it's mean almost. It's yeah. bullying. Yeah. And and in the owner allows it because the team wins. That's why. And then the second angle I take is I take um I get a little frustrated with the media that that just no one ever just stands up to him and says, no, you're not answering my question. You know, and, and my wife always says, they'll throw you out of the room or they'll, they won't ask you back. I, I disagree with that. I think, um, well, maybe that is true. They'll throw you out of the room. But she says the paper that they work for or the, the uh, website they work for will fire them if, they, if they're too abrasive, if they're too aggressive with Bill. Um, the one guy on the air that I always – I just want to get through one time to a certain radio station and act, ask Felger, who comes across like he'll ask anybody anything. I just He used to cover the Patriots, but now he's not in the press conferences. But I wonder if he would ever, someone like him, just listening to him in the way he acts, I wonder if he would ever take Bill on. No one takes Bill on because no one ever wants to go after Bill the bully. Bill's a bully, and this is one case where he's allowed to be the bully by his owner. Because they win, and at some point, and I'm sorry, but at some point, you got to face the bully and punch him in the mouth somehow, and nobody in the media will. The reason they don't, and I'll tell you why. They, it drives me nuts, they if would, you can't tell. They would be allowed back in the press conference because they they just requesting, although I guess in theory the Patriots don't have to issue them the uh, media credential. However, they they can bar them from the locker room. They can bar them from other areas despite being at the press conference. So, but if you push too much, you're risking not having the inside, whatever inside, that little inside you get, not having that. And then when that's jeopardized, then, you're, then your job is jeopardized. So that's why people don't push back too much for fear of being barred from what little inside in- information they do and are able to get. That's and, why. And this is an area that the NFL, which tends to have control over many areas of the game and and how players act and everything and coaches act, they don't seem to, unless they don't, first of all, there's no fines ever levied on Belichick for giving little or no information, whether it's, um, I think he just does everything, you know, when you talk about the, um, the injury report, right? At the very last minute, he gives you just a minor shred of detail or something. I guess um, he's within the rules, as long as he feels he's within the rules, he'll give you the very basic little. But there's never any um, pushback by the NFL for him to be. This is a game of entertainment. You know, when someone says t- to the coach, you know, it was fourth and two, you're on your own 23-yard line. Um, you obviously didn't trust your defense, or can you give us why you went for it or something? This was a few years back against, I think, Indianapolis, and he just said, we called a play that gave us the best chance to have the te- you know team. I just, I don't want that. I want, what, what, he doesn't give anything. He drives me nuts, and, and he gets away with it. He does. Now, the other, I want to make sure I get to before yeah. we go to break, the other political, yeah. slightly political story that uh, was in the news as well, in addition to Sabin and Belichick uh, from earlier in the week, was Colin Kaepernick. And I don't know if you heard this, this story. Colin Kaepernick, as you know, as we all know, has been protesting peacefully for change in the country. 
okay, I respect the man's choice to to protest his his ability to. It's in the Constitution. He, I'll even give him credit. He initially sat for the national anthem, and after speaking with veterans and people in the military, he felt that was disrespectful and decided to take a knee for it. In taking a knee, oftentimes in in athletics, that's a sign of respect for someone who's down. And in theory, he's thinking what is going on is his country is down right now. Okay, again, I respect his decision to do that. I'm not endorsing it in any capacity. I respect it. But if he wants that much change, kneeling is only going to go so far. Voting, you have a chance to really state, state, you know, exercise your rights and state your your the way you think the country should go. Colin Kaepernick did not vote. He didn't vote, and he's out there clamoring for change, clamoring that the country is in a bad place, but he doesn't do anything, an actual right to fix it. All he's doing is bringing attention to himself. And for the longest time, I defended his right to do it and and said, this is what he's passionate about. Let's listen to the message. Let's see what's happening. And now I realize that everyone else was right. He had no message. His message was simply to look at me. Because if he truly wanted change, he would have gone out. I don't care. I don't care that he's, he's... he probably is a resident of California. That's where he votes. He knows which way the election, the presidential electoral college is going to go in California. There are other items on that ballot in California that can help. And you are now a face, a figure of what is supposed to be a reform movement. And you didn't exercise your rights. Not only am I annoyed and irritated by this. Even people in the mainstream media that uh, Stephen A. Smith bloviates more than anyone else. He just sits there on like he's a pontiff and just goes off. Most of the time, he's crazy. He passionately stated almost exactly what I said against uh, um, Kaepernick. Kaepernick. I I don't know what else to say. I'm I'm I was astonished when I heard that story to the point where I I had to I had to to stir on it. I had to think about it. I couldn't. I stepped up. I was on it. By the time I heard about it, I was approaching on air from three to six on Wednesday, and I couldn't even address it on air because I didn't know what I wanted to say. I was so appalled at someone who is trying to make this trying to you know forcibly show this movement and what needs to be done, and he doesn't even exercise his own right for change so how does he really think change will happen if the one right you do have have to actually exercise to change it you don't you choose not to and how can anyone else on either side of the argument respect his opinion and his actions anymore it's how 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 can you do that how could anyone do that when you're that passionate so he claims about an issue. I think he's, like you said, um, that's ridiculous that he didn't vote. Um, I haven't. I've I've had a problem with him right from the jump, but you know, I guess to each his own. In the country we live in, the great country we live in, um, I think he could have. I think he could have voiced his displeasure in a lot that's wrong with America in very different ways than how he has chosen to. And then to follow it up with not voting just really makes it, it's all about him, get your eyes on me, one way or the other, even by stating he didn't vote or by doing the sitting, the kneeling and all of that. I'm sick and tired of him. I kind of wish he'd go away. I'm just, I am, I'm astonished that as he wants to be an example of this movement and he chooses not to do something, which he is an example. And there are going to be people out there that's, that, for whatever reason, and I this is never me personally, but there's a reason celebrities endorse certain people that people will blindly follow. And people will br- blindly follow him now. They will say, okay, well, I can get things done by protesting, but not actually exercising my right. Uh, it's, it's astonishing to me. Absolutely astonishing to me so Sabin, Kaepernick those are the two that really rubbed me the wrong way Belichick look he's allowed to write a letter to 
what he perceives as a friend. He's allow- allowed to write a letter to another, in theory, celebrity. What annoys me is then not necessarily the political side. It's what has annoyed you for so long. It's his, his press conferences, which doesn't come as a surprise. So the other two were more surprising and more annoying because I didn't expect them. Belichick, again, he's allowed to write a letter to whoever he wants. I, I don't care whether I agree with him or not. I don't care. But I just I wasn't surprised at what he did. In fact, you said it yourself. I'm surprised he addressed it as much as he did. I know. I, I Definitely. I, I'm surprised he even went a little – he walked a little way down the path with some of the questions, and then all of a sudden he hit a wall and just started saying Seattle, 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 yeah. which was – I don't know. He just – he annoys me, even though – I'm glad they win all the time. <laughs> we have guests coming in in the second hour, correct? We do not. No? Okay. We we I try to line them up for um, next week. We don't have a show, so there's a reminder for that. But uh, they weren't able to make, no problem. make it this week. So that, that means the rest of this hour, we will go back to high school athletics. And the second hour, college basketball, tip-off, NBA, Boston Celtics, and really, everything else that's going on, and if you really want to talk politics again, which we didn't actually talk politics, I guess we can. Personally, it's time for a reprieve. Let's keep it to sports, in my opinion, here. On ESPN New Hampshire's Granite State Game Day with Sean Sendall and the coach, Mike Bellevue. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for high school sports. At Michelob Ultra, we know it's not just about how much you work out every day. It's about how much you work into every day, too. That's why we brew a beer for those who realize that expending calories should never come at the expense of spending time with friends. And for those who understand that just because you work out doesn't mean you can't go out. Hey, that's why we brew Michelob Ultra to have 95 calories, 2.6 carbs, and an exceptional taste. Michelob Ultra, brewed for those who go the extra mile. Enjoy responsibly. 2016 Michelob Ultra Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. 95 calories, 2.6 carbs, 0.6 grams protein, 0 grams fat for 12 ounces. Have you suffered a motor vehicle injury and need professional assistance? Do you need a team that gets you back on track and taking the green? That team for you is Bardis Law. Bardis Law has three attorneys and two paralegals that can assist you if you've been injured in an accident. Athletes get injured on the field and on the track all the time. Routine injuries can be expected in sports. Accidents are not anticipated in everyday activities. If you get injured in a motor vehicle accident, call Bardis Law at 603-420-8588 or visit www.bardislaw.com. How would you like your office to be located in the heart of downtown Manchester? The former Ted Hebert's building at 922 Elm Street is ready to house your business. With over 28,000 square feet available, the time is right for your business to maximize this rare opportunity. Again, there is now office space available at 922 Elm Street, the old Ted Hebert's building, but it won't last long. Contact Tom Finney at 603-647-6800 or visit loopnet.com. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and I will never forget meeting Alyssa, who suffered from hyperacusis. Alyssa virtually lived in her dark bedroom, and when I spoke with her, I had to do so in a gentle whisper. What is hyperacusis? Well, imagine being at a movie where the soundtrack is turned way, way up. After five minutes, you just have to leave holding your ears. Things like turning newspaper pages, running water, your child placing dishes on the table, all are intolerable to someone like Alyssa. Hyperacusis is a strange condition, but even people who suffer from serious migraines experience it. Now, you may not know someone like Alyssa, but her story underscores that all of us are being constantly bombarded with noise. So, friend, take the earplugs out and turn down the volume. And when you have a chance, visit disabilitycampaign.org to learn more about hyperacusis and other disabilities. Whoa, a new digital music player. Thanks, Mom. Oh, I'm glad you like it, because I can't wait to toss the big stereo. And now that we got your dad that big HD TV he wanted, we can throw out our old TV, too. Hold up. You can't just throw out electronics. Really? They need to be recycled or donated. And how would we do that? (laughs) It's so easy, Mom. Today, recycling electronics is just as easy as buying them. GreenerGadgets.org has all the info. We just enter our zip code to find a certified recycling center nearby. There are thousands of them, and new ones are being added all the time. Some of our local stores are even certified recycling locations. I like that. Did you know that some of the stuff in our old electronics could be used to make new products and conserve natural resources? Well, okay then. Let's gather them up. Um, what was that website again? GreenerGadgets.org. We just enter our zip code, 
and go. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for Friday Night Lights. Waking up with the Grand State Game Day, I'm Sean Sendall alongside the coach Mike Bellevue. As we talk everything sports from New Hampshire high school athletics, of course I will discuss college athletics today and uh, professional ranks all over the place, but uh, we touched upon the biggest, literally the biggest story from this week, and that's of course, well, it's kind of a side story from the biggest one, the election and uh, the Saban and Kaepernick stuff from the election, which, again, are, are just rubbing me the wrong way, both, both of them significantly. But, of course, I want to turn my attention back to high school athletics, one of the items that we do best here on ESPN New Hampshire and Granite State Game Day is talk about high school athletics, and in particular today, since there are no other high school athletics going on, it is semifinal football in the state of New Hampshire. Coach, last weekend, any major surprises, major, major surprises for you that you can think of? Um, no, I, I expected Merrimack to beat Goffstown. I expected Bedford to beat Salem. Um, North, yeah, that surprised me a little bit how they throttled BG again. So that was a bit of a surprise. I thought that game could go either way, even though the week before North had throttled them pretty good and scored in the 60s. Um, maybe in Division Two, um, Bow over Stark? Yeah, Bow over Stark. That was one. And I thought Lebanon was hot enough to beat Hanover. And I had seen Hanover early in the year. We scrimmaged them, and I thought Leb might take them, and Hanover won close. So little surprises in Division Two. Um and the fact that, uh, uh, yeah, that, so that's about it. I, w- I would agree with you. I think maybe Stevens shutting out Campbell was a little surprising to me in Division III. Um, that's, that's probably about it. But in Division One, there is a, of course, as always, a game of the week. And that game is in Division One. It's what many of us in the media have said really could and should be the championship game in Division One, based on, as we perceive it, as the two best teams in the division. As we saw last year, Coach, you and I were fortunate enough to call the game between Goffstown and Bedford. For the second consecutive year, Bedford is in a game in the semifinals that people are looking at and saying this probably should be the championship matchup as they have to take on Merrimack. The two teams played at the beginning of the season, the very first game, and Bedford snuck away with a victory. They are the one and two seeds for that particular bracket or that side of, of Division One as well. The one and two seeds on the other side will face off as well against in Exeter as Exeter hosts Nashua North. Two completely contrasting styles of play as we see frequently anytime someone plays Exeter. But the, the Bedford-Merrimack game is the game of the week. It's the game you will be attending. You will be calling with Nick Anastas. Right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Of course, Krista Turk will uh, be in studio covering everything from inside. However, you will be out. What do you expect? This is this is this took a, some time for me to decide who I was going to pick in this game for Joe Marcellina's website nh-highschoolsports.com. And I went against the grain, I think, and I went with the lower seed, even though Bedford's been dominant all season. It was not easy. And the problem is, I, I it may have been because I watched Merrimack very closely, but they looked very good. I mean, Bedford looks very good too. So, what do you expect from this game that you get to call? I mean, it's going to be a great game. Well, when I was here with you a week ago, one thing you said for me to notice because you had seen Merrimack in person and this year, and I hadn't. So I went, and you said something that really resonated with me. You said on. The thing that flies under the radar with Merrimack is defense. They play small, but they play fast. Yes. And you are right on spot accurate. They play with linebackers and D-backs all the way from the front six all the way back. Um, their best defender is a DN that you know looks like a wide receiver, and he is a wide receiver, Danny right. McKillop. Uh, he was flying all over the field. Um, and I thought that their defense was fast, 
and flew to the ball and gang tackled. On the other side of the ball, I really look at Grassini can throw a nice, accurate ball. I don't think he has big time pop in his arm, but I think he's good. He's real good. I mean, he's obviously thrown 41 touchdown passes this year. I think he sees the field amazing. And what flies under the radar a little bit is his weapons that he goes to. He really has, he's got this kid, Tyler Daniel, he'll go up and get anything. He's got Joe Eichmann. Uh, he's got Danny, um, oh, oh, the name just, I had it. It begins with a V. He's a good player. <laughs> uh, he's a nice play. He caught a couple touchdowns last week. He's got some nice weapons that he goes to. Um, and I really like, I really like the way Coach Jackson, whoever the offensive coordinator is, calls the game for them. They they take what the defense gives them. Last week, Goffstown, I felt, made a big mistake only rushing three and dropping eight in coverage and giving uh, Grassini all day to throw the ball. I mean all day, and he really just – I know he didn't have as many receivers as there were defenders back there, but the receivers know where they're going. They found holes in the zone. They got behind coverage a little bit, and he torched them to the tune of 400 yards and six touchdown passes. Long-winded way of saying I like Merrimack today over Bedford, even though Bedford defensively I hear is fast and tough and big. Um, They run a pretty balanced spread offense. They'll be at home. I still like Merrimack. I think this is the year of the Tomahawk. I think they can go all the way. Danny Vanacek. Danny Vanacek. I knew it was a V. (laughs) He was real good. Sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Vanacek out there. But your son had, I think, three touchdown catches last week. He was amazing. So my question will be, and I think it does come down, as as cliche as it may sound, as uh, you, you hear it from football coaches at every level, it was going to come down to who wins the battle in the trenches. Is it going to be uh, – Bedford's Bed, Bedford is bigger. Bedford is bigger up front, and that means that they're going to be bigger up front on both sides of the ball. Doesn't mean they're better. Doesn't mean they're stronger. Doesn't mean they're faster. It just means they're bigger. Bigger could mean stronger. It could also mean slower. We just don't know for sure until we see the two teams play against each other. But if their defensive line is a little bit smaller in Merrimack, their offensive line is a little bit smaller as well. They don't – Play both, you know, not every defensive lineman is an offensive line lineman. As you mentioned, their D-end is also a wide receiver. But in particular, their defensive line, smaller guys. As I, like I said, Coach, they're the size of linebackers. They really are. And it's going to come down to which style in the trenches have has been mastered more closely than the opposition. Is it the traditional, the bigger style going to win because Bedford does it does that style better? Or is more of the non-traditional, let's have more athletes on the field to slow down everyone around them and then the cavalry come home, will that style win out? I went back and forth. I really went back and forth. I chose Merrimack in the picks. I wouldn't be surprised if Bedford won. It was one of it was. I look, this is the time of year it's supposed to be a difficult pick, right? Right. It's supposed to be. You're in semifinals, Division One in the state of New Hampshire, the biggest division it's supposed to be the best division. It was a difficult pick. And I'm looking forward to seeing the result. I'm looking forward to listening to to the call. I'm looking forward to the whole 9 yards, but it's it's going to be a difficult game and it's the winner will be the favorite to win the championship, not looking past Exeter or North. Yeah, we can't look past either of those teams, the way North is just hitting their stride at the end of the year and the way Exeter just has a tremendous program and, and they're just not accustomed to losing very many games in the last 10 years. So they're just always right there. And I think they're going to be right there again. We can talk about that too. Talk about a team that's always right there. What about Exeter? That's what I mean, Exeter. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought you meant North. No, Exeter is always right there. Right, because I, mean, I was like, wait, North is not always right yeah, there. Yeah, no, Exeter. <laughs> that's who I meant, Coach Coach Ball and that staff and that football machine they have, 140 kids probably on the sideline today. It's unbelievable. And not to mention, talk about the opposite. You know, We're mentioning Merrimack and their smaller lines. Exeter does not have a small line ever. Exeter, I don't know how, but they produce some big boys out there that are athletic. And that fits the style that Coach Bill Ball wants to run perfectly. I mean, when you said the last word, you said that are athletic. Yeah, they're not only big, but they move real well. Yeah, they move quickly onto backers. They can pull. 
and trap with the best of them. They 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 have to move. You don't see many like roly poly types on no, the field. You no. just don't with you, Exeter. You you may think you're about to, and when you see them run out there, because there's been those, some bigger boys in that sense, and then they get out there and, and they're moving. It looks like Warren Sapp. You know, you look at him, you think, okay, how, what's this guy going to do? And he's the quickest guy to the ball. That's the type of those are the type of players that Exeter seems to find for their line. And year in year out, whether you like the style of football or not, you have to appreciate the intricacies. If you don't want to see, you know, three four yards in a cloud of dust, look within what's happening. Uh, for those who just watch the ball, look within it. Look what's happening at, on the other parts. Uh, Oftentimes when I'm watching basketball, and I explain this to people all the time, I don't watch the ball, generally. I know what the ball's doing. They're dribbling. They're looking to pass. I, it's, I, I know what the person with the ball is about to do. It's everyone else that I'm watching. It's what's going on, because where's the ball going to go? Who's setting the screens? Where are they moving? What's the defense look like? Because there's only a couple things the ball, someone with the ball can do. I watch what everyone else is doing to see what's coming next and to, to, to predict what's coming, to analyze what's coming. Similarly, in football, it's I find myself, you know, again, I, I don't analyze football as much as I analyze basketball because I just understand the sport of basketball in so much more detail. But I do look at it similar, similarly because I, I am analyzing it. I know what the quarterback in the pocket's doing. He's standing there, moving up, moving back, side to side briefly. But he's standing there for the most part. I'm watching what's happening at the on the line, I, and whether that makes me a weirdo or not, I'm not sure. Especially when you're watching on television for football, you can't see what's happening in, de- in the defense, so you have to watch what's happening on on the line. And when you're watching, when I watch in person, uh, similarly, it's it's you know where are the gaps, what are they hitting? Um, but I'm able to see what's happening in the defense further back. That's how I watch sports. Generally, that's how I watch sports, and. That's that's what you have to appreciate with the way Coach Bill Ball coaches. It's you have to watch the intricacies of the sport. Yeah, and particularly the intricacies of the way he runs that Bay City T offense. You're right. I mean, if you just looked at the first of all, if you did look at the ball, it's kind of hard to find who has it sometimes because they fake the fullback up the middle and they turn either right or left and give it off tackle, or the quarterback fakes up the middle, fakes off tackle, keeps and runs around the corner, or he does all three of those and decides to throw a pass to a tight end. So it's really kind of um, um, sequential offense. One play sets up another, sets up another, sets up finally the, the pass down the field. But when you start watching the line and appreciating the tight end, the tackle, double teaming down, and just washing a defensive tackle across the line of scrimmage, and then a backside pulling guard pulling through and and isolating a backer in the hole, it's pretty fun to watch. If you love line play, if you you know, in terms of if you think that line play is what gets, and it really is, it gets Exeter moving the chains, and that's what they can do. They ball control now. North in this game. Most people think they're a spread offense to throw. No, they're a spread offense to run first. And they've been running the ball really effectively. And their quarterback, Jeff Baldasselli, has done a great job commanding his troops out there. Um, they've got Sky Boykin. They've got a couple other backs that are that are really great contributors. And uh, this, is, this North team is, you know what, they've kind of flown in my mind under the radar. And I think they come in with an 8-2 and two record which is pretty impressive in their own right. So the the only problem is I'm tainted, and I'm sure maybe you were what you picked, that I covered North Exeter at North earlier in the year from Stellos, and Exeter was not stopped in their first five possessions and in a row. When, you know, better than 80, 85 yards with each possession, just doing it the way they do, five yards, three yards, seven yards, 13 yards, two yards, 11 yards, whatever, play action pass, touchdown, boom, and they beat them 42-6. So now they're home. I got to favor Exeter in a big way in this game. And that's, uh, you know, again, that's a lot of my rationale for my pick on Joe's site was, was exactly that. And, you know, no disrespect to anyone. It's just I have to analyze and that's that's right now the way that was the way I was leaning. So it's it, honestly though, it should be two great semifinals. Yeah, I think so. I'm looking forward to 
seeing the outcomes, listening to you guys. Are you – was this – if you – I know Nick chooses the game to attend, and I'm going to ask, even though I probably know the answer, is this the game you would have chosen to, to call today, the game you would have chosen to attend? Yeah. Um, when, when, I look at the, when I look at the D2 and D3 matchups, I like them, but in terms of style of play um, and what fits me as a broadcaster and what had me most intrigued and – my interest more scoring team. better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I can see this game today being like both teams in the thirties. So I think it could be a lot of fun. So you're saying you you have you don't want to call any more anything to do with Plymouth. That's you're just avoiding anything to do with Plymouth. I mean Plymouth Wyndham, you're talking about two almost identical offenses. Well, Wyndham is double tight end, double wing, bring the wings in motion and they run off tackle, slip it. Plymouth is load up everybody on one side and then every now and then slip something backside, but really just play with the fullback to the tight end and wing side. I mean, that's a there's not going to be many footballs in the air in Wyndham at all. I mean, maybe between both teams, maybe ten. No, I I like the the spread wide open game on the turf in Bedford. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, we'll take another time out here. We have one more segment, last segment of the first hour here as you're waking up with Granite State Game Day. Myself, Sean Sendall, and the coach, Mike Bellevue, on ESPN New Hampshire. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for Friday Night Lights. Beals Insurance Agency is proud to announce the opening of their new Londonderry office. Located on Route 102, Beals Insurance is committed to serving Londonderry, Hudson, Wyndham, and Litchfield while offering the best price and quality coverage that's right for you. Whether it's home, auto, or business insurance, make the right call with Beals Insurance Agency. Call Steve at 603-471-9999 or visit BealsInsurance.com. The money saving tip. Coming at you with another money making tip. How to save money effectively. Tired of overpaying for stuff? Then head to ESPNNHRadio.com and check out the ESPN New Hampshire deals page. You can save up to 50% on deals from all your favorite local businesses and restaurants. Why pay full price when gift cards and gift certificates are only a few clicks away? So start saving now by going to ESPNNHRadio.com and checking out the new ESPN New Hampshire deals page. You're welcome. Let your search for Mazda and Subaru dealers begin and end with North End Subaru Mazda. Only 20 miles from Nashua, North End Mazda in Lunenburg has the best deals in the area. With Mazda 3s and Subaru Forester, both leaders in their class, and a giant pre-owned inventory. To look at their weekly specials, give them a call at 888-805-1469 today. They're just a click away at buynorthendmazda.com. Hi, I'm Liz. Welcome to Lowell Jewelry and Loan. The economy is pretty rough right now, and if you're looking for a short-term loan, banks aren't making it any easier. Sometimes it can take up to 60 days to get approved. That's crazy! We truly are in the business to lend money and put cash in your hands instantly. Bring in any item and we'll give you cash. We also give you four months before making your first payment. Call or come see us today. Our reputation is impeccable. Lowell Jewelry and Loan on Merrimack Street. In southern New Hampshire, there's only one choice when it comes to the best in orthopedic care. New Hampshire Orthopedic Center has been providing award-winning treatment for all orthopedic conditions for over 40 years. Chances are one of our physicians has helped someone you know get back in motion. Voted best orthopedic office by union leader three years running. Voted top doctors 30 times by peers in New Hampshire magazine. Tell your primary care physician you'd like to see a specialist at New Hampshire Orthopedic Center. We keep bodies in motion. Visit NHOC.com for more information. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. Sometimes people make assumptions about what someone with a disability can or cannot do. For 15-year-old Katrin, who has cerebral palsy, her disability leaves her unable to speak or move. But Katrin can see and hear. So it's a little awkward when people are standing around her and talking about her. But instead of Katrin and her family brushing others off, they attached a sign to her wheelchair that says... Hi, I'm Katrin. I hear and understand everything you say, but I cannot speak. I can answer questions using yes or no, so please ask me if I need my communication board. Thanks for talking with me. <laughs> By showing people how to communicate with her, Katrin is helping change attitudes and is building relationships. 
When it comes to connecting with someone who has a disability, it just takes a little communication and a little understanding. Sergeant R.J. Anderson's dream was to take to the skies. I've always wanted to be a soldier, but my ultimate goal was to be a pilot. I think I was meant to, to fly. I had just applied to be a part of the 160th SOAR Regiment, and I was going to airborne school that next Monday. So I decided to go on a motorcycle ride with my buddies. We were going through a turn, and that's all I remember. That's the day everything changed. I was told by the doctor that I would never walk again. Thanks to Paralyzed Veterans of America, competing in adaptive sports lit my fire again. They help you transition for the rest of your life to that individual that you want to be. Sports like hand cycling really pushes you to, to find who you are in that redefining moment after injury. With PVA Sports, I've, I've found my freedom. Now when I think about my future, the possibilities are endless. For more information, visit pva.org, a public service of Paralyzed Veterans of America. For our troops and their families, the military is more than a career. It's a journey, and every step along the way, the USO is there. It's an experience that that soldier will never forget. That's what the USO does. Be a part of their journey. Donate today at USO.org. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for high school sports. Final segment of the first hour here on Granite State Game Day. Myself, Sean Sendall, alongside the coach, Mike Bellevue. And, uh, of course, we have semifinal football here in the state of New Hampshire. Last week with the quarters, there were weird schedules, at least in Division Three, with games at 1, 2, 237. Uh, in Division One, they were all at 1. Uh, 1 was later. Yeah, I, Bedford and Salem was four. Okay, and and the rest were at one. And Division Two was was that consistently that was one. Oh, that was the one that was all over the place too. One, one, thirty, two, three, thirty for a Division Two. This week, however, Division Two, Wyndham Plymouth. In case you want to go see them at Wyndham, one thirty, not one. Really? One thirty. So I thought everything consistently okay, I'll let you finish. One thirty, yeah. yep. So I think that's that's been I think the only one that's deviated. Uh if you want to see Bo in Hanover, it's in Hanover. That game will be at one. In division three, both games at one. Manadnock and Stevens, Interlakes and Brady. And then in division one, both games will be at one. So there's only one game that okay. deviates by just a half hour. Uh, whereas last week there were games all over, literally from one all the way until seven o'clock starts. Uh, just last week, of course, the winners will move on to the championship. Championship games for each division are played in succession. Divisions three, two, one at UNH, and with a great new press box for yeah. all of us in the media, and it's just a great day to sit back, watch, and enjoy football. The Division one game is the last one will begin at six PM next weekend. Division two game is the second one will begin at two thirty. And division three game will begin all the way at eleven in the morning. Coach, if you were coaching a team that had to play at eleven AM, one, would you be upset about that? And two, how would you prepare a team to play before noon? When most kids on a Saturday are asleep at that time still. I wouldn't be upset to play. I just, it's been a bit since uh experienced the playoffs. Some of the programs I've attached myself to since Sauhegan, we uh, haven't experienced playoffs. Knocked on the door this year. Knocked, Knocked on, the, on door the door this year, right. Really wanted to get in there. Really want, you know, I'm, when I go over and broad as a broadcaster, as a member of the media and cover championship Saturday at UNH, I always say to myself, I'd love to be here as a coach. So, Sean, no matter what time it was, I'd be fine. But to answer your question, um, would probably get them up and do an early morning healthy breakfast, um, maybe at the school before boarding the bus, have some healthy yogurt snacks and things like that, and 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 maybe even do uh, you know some kind of team you know in the gym, some kind of team bonding thing, like put the lights down and then just have like a spotlight shining on 
some of the championship banners in our gym and just everybody look and maybe have a few of the older kids reflect on what it would mean to add to the banner, something like that, Yeah, you know, with some healthy breakfast and then get over and play an 11 o'clock game, which, like you said, for your body, it's, it's different. It's different. And it, you, you've, it's you've different. you know, gone down that road before. I'd probably prefer either the 6 or the 2.30 game. Yeah, I, I would imagine. And, I mean, given that you're just in the playoffs playing at 1-ish, the 2.30, you might be used to the past couple Saturdays. That would probably be nice. Six, your body was used to Friday nights at 7 anyway. That wouldn't be bad either. That 11 a.m., in my opinion, is tough. But it has to be done because otherwise the, that final game isn't going to kick off till 7.30. Yeah. And that's that's you're starting to push it on a Saturday night uh, for, for a lot of the families. And, and you know if they have younger kids, if they have family visiting from out of town to come see the games. Uh, whether it's children or grandparents or great grandparents, even it's pushing it a, a bit to do it too late. Well, because so. you got to do at the post game, you got to do the runner up and the championship ceremony. Although they do a good job keeping it relatively brief, it has to be done on the field, and it's special to do it on the field. And I'm just excited next week. I haven't been in the new press box at UNH. Nor you know. have I, and I don't get to. But, uh, yeah, you. No, let's not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I still, even a week ago, I was still begging, begging. Why do I have to go to a christening? Why did your sister have to have another kid? <laughs> I've said all of those. N- none of them go over well. So <laughs> I will not be attending these football games and calling these games much to my dismay. Uh, you know, sometimes the wife just wins. Yeah, well. Sometimes we've got to let them, too. And, and by sometimes, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I have a win yet. So <laughs> so I want to hear your predictions in the other two divisions. Yeah. Uh, division- well, uh, well, first, you, did you say Exeter you think would beat North? Yes, I do. Okay. I think Exeter, I just think they are the more well-rounded team on, on, in every facet of the game. And I think Exeter will win. Uh, on the other side, for Division 2, not on the other side, but down in Division 2, I think Wyndham is virtually a Division One team. I think they're that talented. I have Wyndham moving on. I'm not. I don't want to say in easily, but I have them moving on. I also have Hanover beating Bo. That was really tough for me. I started to lean Bo, especially based on a solid win against John Stark. But I had I have Hanover um, on top just because they were the better team throughout. I think Bo might be playing a little bit better right now, but I just I, I try in the playoffs. Usually, the better team prevails, not the, the not the hotter team generally. And then on the on in Division Three, I have Manadnock moving on against Stevens. I think Manadnock's been the best team in Division Three, and I have Interlakes moving on. That was a really tough game for me to pick too because I I leaned a lot toward Brady, um, but that's that's the way I saw it. We'll see. I'm, I'm 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 exact with you except for the Bo Hanover. I'm going to go with okay. Bo goes and upsets Hanover. And we will actually call. We since we won't be here next weekend. We'll call champions when we get back in the second hour. Granite State game. Day. The bye week is over.